This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Will they find a home? Sponsored by GEICO. Jane doesn't mind an apartment with no elevator. Five flights of stairs is five flights of cardio. Bob is a little less enthusiastic about stairs. I hate stairs. Compromise is tough, but these two won't have to compromise when they bundle renters and car insurance with GEICO. It's easy, and they could save even more. In the end, Jane and Bob found an apartment that's a four-story walk-up. And Bob? Yeah, there's a freight elevator she doesn't know about. What were you talking about? Oh, uh, nothing. Bundling without compromise at Geico.com. The podcast no one asked for, but you want it anyway. It's the Bits and Pieces Podcast. Thank you, Timmy. Welcome to Bits and Pieces, the podcast that revisits our favorite Bob and Tom show, Comedy Bits. I'm here with Jess Hooker, Jess Alsman, Jason Hofsetz. I'm Willie Griswold. Today, we are talking Tim Wilson with the very funny, very inside the Bob and Tom family forever, Mr. Ron Sexton. Hey, yeah. thank you, Willie. Woo. How you doing, man? I'm great. I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. You bet. So we're talking Tim Wilson today. I knew Tim since I was a kid. Uh, Ron, I think you're here because of this Bob and Tom family. You are working the road with Tim a lot, right? Yeah. I consider Tim to be my comedy dad. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's what I tell people yeah. because mm-hmm. he was, uh, I went from being a weak middle uh, middle act or feature act in Indianapolis and not really having, you know, at the time I had my fourth kid was on the way. So I was like, man, there's no way that I can, at that time I thought, you know, the only way I could do comedy like most others is to be gone, you know, Wednesday through Saturday. And it just wasn't going to be conducive to, to my lifestyle at the time. But because of the Bob and Tom show and because of Tim's tutelage, I was able to get on the Bob and Tom tour at that time, um, which was really popular and would only be Friday and Saturday nights. That was very doable. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was great for me. Tim was um, the one that gave me the confidence. And I was very sheepish going in because I I knew how much disdain he had for Larry the Cable Guy. And and so one day we're on the road and I said, I, I just have to ask. I mean, I know you don't like Larry, but why would you like, I mean, we get along pretty well. I mean, what's the, why would you like Donnie? He goes, well, hell, because Donnie's the heckler. You're the, you're the heckler that made it to the stage. So I was like, I was like, oh my God, he defined what I do. I didn't even know, I didn't even know that because I wasn't quite sure what I was doing, but I'm like, oh my God, that, that, that's the best economy of words to describe what I'm doing. Yeah. And it gave me clarity. And then he was, uh, he got a kick out of Donnie, but we really hit it off. Um, you know, and again, when you're on the road, I mean, just any number of things to kill time, but uh, there was never a better conversationalist in history, Mm -hmm. you know? And so we really, uh, hit it off. And, and, uh, so when one of my highlights was a show gets canceled one weekend and, uh, for whatever reason, I'm kind of stuck with Tim, you know, Mm -hmm. it was, you know, I would always drive and, and, uh, so I, I thought, well, heck, my youngest son's got a basketball game. And uh, he said, well, hell, let's go. So we walk into this middle school basketball game, and I feel like I'm walking in there with, you know, um, I mean, you know, a combination of Clint Eastwood and and, uh, Waylon Jennings, and just every head turning. And then immediately he's up, about five of these little those need to take basketball lessons again. You know, like, oh, ringing. Tim, it's it, you know, it's not really a travel league, so, but but he would he would sit there and you know scout and gauge and and uh, there was nothing that he did lightly. You know, 
Um, I but, like, by the way, both of those were two amazing stories. But part of me is a little distracted because your Tim is just so locked in and so uh, perfect. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I've always had any, if I am around, um, one of my first jobs in radio was running the board for Rush Limbaugh. And mm-hmm. just, you know, if I'm around something, I, I just kind of learn how to uh, imitate that. Same with, you know, with the Pacers. I'm Mark Boyle from the Pacers Radio Network. <laughs> Tonight, the Pacers and New Jersey Nets will play. Slick, <laughs> baby. Yeah, we need Reggie big time, baby. Yeah. <laughs> So all I would do is sit there and do the halftime yeah. stuff. But just if I'm around you long enough, I usually find a hook or, or oh, some, yeah. kind of, some kind of uh, blueprint to doing the impression. So It's funny. After this, I need uh, I, I want to figure out how to imitate something. I need you to run tape on it and tell me how to do it. Yeah. Yeah, because we all do Im- impressions of yeah. you doing – you're literally our Dana Carvey. Yeah. You know, we're always yeah. doing impressions yeah. of you doing impressions of Oh, I got of you. Right. Yeah, yeah right. and that's, a lot of times that's uh, how it happens. If I hear somebody do an impression, um, I can kind of – figure it out uh, but it, sometimes it starts with just a word like Charles yeah. Barkley it was so cool you know <laughs> cool, the way he would let cool sort of ride there's never a rush can you imagine Charles call it 911 trying to describe <laughs> the emergency it would take days <laughs> to explain Who's hurt? Oh my gosh! <laughs> we, yeah, we love Chuck. Around. I'm a big fan of NBA on D, and, and I always talk oh, about yeah. this. Everyone makes fun of Shaq. That man is 10 feet tall and weighs 700 pounds. Yeah. We only get so much time with him. Let's be nice to Shaq while we yeah. still have him. Right? No kidding, right? <laughs> that guy's yeah. heart is working overtime, pumping blood no. down those extremities. Oh, gosh. All the extremities. Well, let's not focus on Shaquille O'Neal today. <laughs> let's focus on Tim, and we're going to start off with a Tim Wilson song. He'll meet you to the emergency room and paint a devastating picture of pain and gloom. He'll hate to hear all about your wreck, but deep down he's kind of happy that you broke your neck. <laughs> he's almost a doctor, he's worse than a crook. He's the lawyer on the back of your telephone book. He can cry on cue and he can lie to your face and he can probably get you a bigger neck brace. That made anybody that he won't sue. He'll get the radio station you was listening. To, and if picking up your sisters in the police report, he can probably take that boop to court. <laughs> Dick Weasel, attorney at law, if you're in the body cast, he's the man to call. He'll sue your boss and your mama and them. He can make a preacher want to injure him. He'll take them to court, he'll get you the cash. He's the Johnny Cochran of the bull whiplash. He's the slickest lawyer that you ever saw. He'll have you eating jawbreakers through a straw. He's willing to grovel, he's willing to beg. What would you say to a broken leg? We could get a fake cast put on your hand that might be worth another two or three grand. He'll take them to court and get the money real quick. He'll tell the judge that he's worried sick and find the saw bones to claim that your vertebra's bent, but you'll have to cough up another 10%. (laughs) Dick Weasel, attorney at law, he's F. Lee Bailey with bigger gall. He can make a 12-man jury squall over a compound fracture or some bad coleslaw. (laughs) And Dick Weasel wants a third of this song. Tim Wilson, Dick Weasel, that's incredible, man. I, I hadn't heard that in so, so, so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you take any of his songs, like uh, one of my favorites, uh, he's my brother-in-law, and just mm-hmm. the lyrics are incredible. Tim told me that when he would write, when he thought the song was perfect, he would throw a big wrench in it and rebuild it 
But mm-hmm. and and so if you think about that, most people, you know, and I, I've, I've tried. I'm too impatient. Um, you know, if if I find a decent rhyme or writing a parody or whatever, I'm I'm just not as patient as he was. But he was just. There's nobody better in my opinion that mm-hmm. that just found the funny. Um, but he was patient to find the funny. And I think you know, and I don't play guitar. Uh, I think that helped. It was funny that he would have uh, certain song ideas would just come to him just by kind of strumming. Mm-hmm. Some of his best stuff was in the green room, yeah. you know, and, and then it would just be, you know, um, one reason or another that he would have the courage or the interest to take it to stage, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, but yeah, man, nobody better when it comes to writing, you know, parody songs. Well, with that one, he hits it. Like, of course, he hits everything perfectly comedically, but it's one of those things where you can tell that it was re- rewritten because he saves the name, the name Dick Weasel. That's mm-hmm. the biggest punchline, and he saves it for the first line of the first chorus. And that's like comedy songwriting 101. That's yeah. what Second City, SNL, watch any of those. That's what's going to happen. And Tim just did it absolutely perfect. But then he could do Church League Softball Fist Fight, which right. is the title right off the bat, and then, you know, destroy you that way, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like I said, he was, uh, and, I, and, you know, and, I know that people think, oh, he has the country twang. Um, he was asked before if you could have a beer with anybody, dead or alive, who would it be? And, well, it'd be Barry Gibb. You know, and it's like, what? Yeah. Why, you like the Bee Gees? Well, damn, the Bee Gees. Huh? But he he just, he loved the Bee Gees and loved Barry Gibb, you know, and, and yet there was nobody that knew more about, you know, uh, Skinner and the Atlanta Rhythm Section. And, and certainly he made Jesse uh, Hooker cry in the car one time doing, uh, he was playing a, a song by the Possum. Lo- yeah, he stopped loving her today. And he just, and I lost it. And so anytime I would be like stressed in the green room or, or, you know, trying not to kick somebody's ass or doing whatever, he'd just start to strum and I would be like, don't do it to me. Don't do it to me. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, and he nailed that song. And yeah, every time I hear it now, I think of, of Tim. Do you want to open up a little bit about you as the Bob and Tom, the mom of the Bob and Tom comedy tour, rounding up all those egos and all those maniacs? And- um, Yeah, sure. So I, a lot of times I was with Ronnie and Tim and it was kind of the three of us because we were the only three that were out weekend to weekend to weekend. The other comedians would kind of rotate. So it would be Chicken Christy hosting and they alternated. It was like we were divorced parents and we got Christy and Chick every other weekend. Yeah. And and then, um, you know, it, it would be a slew of other comedians. There was kind of a, there was a rotation. There was a group, a pool that we would pull from and depending on people's schedules. And um, so, yeah, a lot of times on a Saturday morning, we'd be up at eight o'clock in a f- rental car. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I think that's the first time I've done that. But it's hard not to say the F word before you say rental car. Sorry. Yeah, so, uh, should be a, a brand or an option. <laughs> right? So we were, yeah, we'd be on the road for four, five, six hours sometimes. And yeah, and uh, so it, it, was, it, it was a really great experience. I still say that if it wasn't for that, I think that that honed some of my comedy chops, to be honest. I mean, I would never claim to be a comedian. You know, I, I work for a for a comedy-based show. Mm-hmm. I've worked for a lot of comedians. I would never claim to be that, but I know that, like, you have to be, you have to be quick. You have mm-hmm. to be on your feet, and you have to have a thick skin to deal with, with that many egos. And I'm not even going to say that many. I'm going to say Drew Hastings. To deal with Drew <laughs> Hastings, you have to have a thick skin. You know, he and I could be like, in all honesty, we were never chest to chest, but, like, 
my chest, his belly, and me just screaming like, get off the stage, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, you ran over, you cost us $3,000, something like that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, it, some of my best memories are being on the road with you guys. We had a blast. Yeah, we're, we're, we're 20 minutes late to get to the, is there a Starbucks nearby? <laughs> can, we, yeah, can, can we stop at this Walgreens? Uh, yeah. I need baby powder for my hair. <laughs> Dead serious, yeah. I remember uh, before we took the stage in Toledo, he asked one of the stage, oh, what is the racial overtone of Toledo? <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, oh my god! Yeah, usually the comedians would be like, "Hey, can you find out like what the sports team is, and uh, yeah. you know yeah. what what the most popular road is, or what the bar people hang out at, so they can reference yeah. it in their." Material. I call that I call that road Mad Libs. Okay, yeah. what's a football team that sucks right. at County yeah. Over? Exactly. Okay, what's yep. the beer that everyone drinks in town? Yes. Mm-hmm. Instead, Hastings would ask questions like, "What is the racial?" Over to- yeah, of Toledo. Like, yeah, of yes. Toledo. Yeah. <laughs> From some nicknamed Travis who just moved there. <laughs> so, yeah, he didn't, didn't really do a lot of vetting when. And, and that was, I mean, did Tim do much local stuff? I mean, his stuff was so good, he just, it didn't matter where he played it, right? Well, that's the thing about Tim is that he was such a history buff. Mm-hmm. And, like, oh. there isn't a part of this country that he hasn't been through or performed in. So he knew a little bit about everything, I always felt. Like, mm-hmm. he would tell me things about a city that I didn't know that we were in. And I did the research. Yeah, yeah, yeah no awesome. doubt. Yeah. But he, he said it best. So he said, I'm basically only funny around land that's been plowed. <laughs> <laughs> You put my ass in New York, not too damn funny. Put me in Carlock, Illinois, my ass will sell out of That's true. That's true. And we were on the road with uh, with Timmy when he was writing his book. Yeah. And that was that was a wild ride. I actually just found my copy that he had, yeah, he had wrote I'll in for me. I'll never forget. He, he, uh, one morning, I thought he had overslept, Mm-mm. and he didn't sleep at all. He comes out of this hotel, and we're, we're sitting here going, oh, no, we're going to miss our flight. Mm-hmm. And I uh, called the room, and, and he was pecking away, and he goes, I just solved a 23-year... Uh, Ted Bundy case. Yeah. We'll, we'll be fine. We get to the airport. I'll tell the pilot what I just solved. He'll, say, he'll wait. And it's like, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, man, he, <laughs> he, I, he would uh, he would be up all night and he would call me and then he was uh, like, "Hey, I'm I uh, cancel my flight or don't worry about yeah. me. I'm I'm hitting the road. I'm going to the next wherever yeah. it was. That there was a murder that he had to do some research in. So like oh. what? Like there's like newspaper clippings and red pieces yes. of yarn going. One hundred percent. Really? Like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just being silly. No, he had no. notes. And he, notes and notes, he yeah. He was in, uh, he left a gig one time and he, sweetie, I'm not coming home. I need to head to Jacksonville. There's a car that I believe Bundy owned. And he went and bought this car that was submerged. And Bundy yeah. would uh, confess to a lot of his murders by way of art. And Tim would analyze this artwork. And there there was in one of Bundy's drawings, and this is when my jaw dropped, was a pair of little cowgirl boots. Mm-hmm. And um, and he said, Ronnie, look, look at this. What You see little little cowgirl boots? And I said, well, when you kind of turn it this way, he said, well, Bundy isn't just going to spell it out. You have to sort of look from the side, uh, you know. And, and so he'd, he'd kind of take a picture and you'd turn it and say, yeah, those are little boots. And there was like a little uh, Western design on it. And sure enough, uh, they get the car. And in the trunk of the car, when they open it, were little, uh, little girls' boots mm-hmm. and turtles had eaten the soles off of them. Um, but he, he was able to use that to connect that Bundy had either sold this car or at one time owned it and committed an, a number of crimes um, in his hometown, Columbus, Georgia, but was never charged with them. And he even proved that Bundy broke out of jail and broke back into jail mm-hmm. and in between committed another murder. But yeah. Uh, yeah, there was nobody that knew more about Ted Bundy. And, and I, that, uh, same thing, I, you know, I said, Tim, why do you like me and not Larry the Cable Guy? I finally went, I said, what's the connection with Bundy? And he said that uh, he was about, I don't know, yeah. 14, 15 years old is in this court. the courthouse? Yeah, this yeah. is a great story. And uh, was in line. He said, you never forget your first prostitute. 
And <laughs> so he and his father were in court for a case, but the the, the case in front of them was a, a prostitute. Um, and Tim says, you know, you never forget seeing your first prostitute when you're that age. Well, it turns out she was later murdered by Bundy, and he believed that he was, God put him in that spot at that moment to one day later solve some crimes that um, I think they uh, placed on yeah. the Strangler or something or other, but a, a guy named William Vance went, went to the electric chair for, for these crimes. Isn't that wild? Away with, yeah. I know, cold chills, right? Yeah. It's wild. It's but wild. Uh, Tim's book is called uh, Happy New Year, Ted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's available on Amazon if anybody's interested. I don't recommend reading it before bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned that the hard way. Yeah, some nightmares, yeah. If Tim Wilson was here, do you think he would start a true crime podcast or he just like crap all over the people that are doing that calling them amateurs and- nah, I don't know that you know if, if there would have been I know if, uh, uh, Tim told me that Marty Bender when Marty was here tried to get in and I think those with Premier Radio approached him about doing it his own talk show huh. uh, but Tim didn't really want to be bound to that I think he was fine being a guest uh, but I don't think that the fun for him was kind of the the free the free balling, so to speak, of going about it when, when it would interest him, yeah. you know, and um, you know, and and it was one of those things that I I, I right now miss him more than ever because I'm finally getting into this, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean I did my big GFK stuff and now I'm into West Memphis three stuff and I know that he would have certainly had a strong opinion on that, mm-hmm. and uh, but yeah, so I'm going down my true crime avenue right now. It was funny he and I I was just starting to get into Elvis. I'm still into Elvis, but. Uh, when Tim and I were road dogs and, and I was just really getting into it and he's like, well, I sort of went through my other stage, right? But I'm the same age. You'll get over this. There'll be a time you just go to Graceland, fine, but you don't need to, you know, look for Scylla. So, but, uh, yeah, so, um, but now I'm onto the true crime stuff. Not that I'm going to write a 700 page book about a serial killer like Tim did, but I do, I do have an interest in um, a lot of those unsolved cases. I know you and I, and maybe this is, maybe, maybe Tim is our base, but we equally enjoy, uh, uh, conspiracy theories. Oh yeah, just tell me about it. I love to hear people's. Yeah. I just I love to hear new ones. All that. Yeah. Do you think where would he be? Because there's so many now, or they've become very popular, more popular than they used to be. Yeah, right? Tim was uh, the, my last conversation with him, and actually kind of broke my heart because I I felt like I had I had solved I had read a book that I felt put the JFK thing to rest. Right, and he didn't want to he didn't want to open it up. He was really? of the belief there was one shooter. Yeah, and, oh. uh, well I believe Posner. If you want to you want to go against Posner, you're about a pos, but but he believed Gerald Posner or Posner's uh, yeah. view of it. And so he didn't even, I gave him the book and I could tell he wasn't going to read it. Really? You know, but it was, yeah, it was case closed to him. But, huh. but yeah, he's, um, but that's, I so wish he was here now because I would definitely love to pick his brain and oh, I'm sure yeah. that he would have moved on to something else. Yeah. You know, can you imagine Tim, uh, sir, your mask, you need to wear, ma'am. Let me talk about it. My ass is a mask. You know, I mean, I, I just, uh, I, I picture, uh, there's a reason why Tim and, and James Gandolfini were taken early. They wouldn't have survived in, in this, you know, there's <laughs> right, no, right, they just, right, they, right. this wouldn't have suited them well. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> These so. restrictions. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Uh, let's uh, move on to our next bit. This is Tim as a spokesperson for Bob and Tom. According to studies, millions of Americans aren't getting enough sleep and it's affecting their health. If you're waking up tired every day, you'll want to listen to this important announcement. Hello, I'm veteran road comedian Tim Wilson. (laughs) When I'm out crossing this great country of ours, I'm not sleeping in some luxurious four-star hotel. No. Hell, I ain't even catching a few winks in a flea-infested rent-by-the-hour flop house. (laughs) No, I'm sleeping in my car. And after 25 years on the road, my back was killing me. But not anymore. You heard of them sleep number beds? 
They ain't just for the bedroom anymore. Oh. It's the new Tim Wilson Sleep Number Car Seat. <laughs> With the Sleep Number Car Seat, you don't have to worry about reservations, vacancies, or smoking laws. You just pull into the nearest truck stop, rest area, or darkened parking lot, dial in the comfort level you want, and you'll be fast asleep in no time. I like the Sleep Number Car Seat so much, I bought the whole damn company. Get your Tim Wilson Sleep Number Car Seat today. Available anywhere they sell road maps, auto air fresheners, coffee, and sun lamp hot dogs. It's only $19.99 and comes with the Tim Wilson Guarantee. I'm so sure you'll love this thing. If you don't get a better night's sleep in your car within the first week, call me and I'll meet you at a rest area and give you your money back. Don't spend another night tossing and turning in your front seat. Go pick up a Tim Wilson Sleep Number Car Seat today. But remember to bring cash because we don't take personal checks or credit cards. I do not believe in credit cards. That's the first step towards each of us getting stamped with a number. You can look it up in the 13th chapter of Revelation. Uh I ain't going to hell over a car seat. What about a social security number? Just shut up and finish the damn commercial. (laughs) The Tim Wilson Sleep Number Car Seat. Go out and get yours today. Uh, sorry, you apparently can't call toll-free to order one. Can't have a phone because they got numbers. <laughs> Are you looking for an ass whooping? Sorry. <laughs> I love announcer Dean giving him the business. My goodness, that's funny. Tim Wilson, the sleep number car seat. Ronnie, did you guys ever uh, crash in a car together? No, never did. But I, my favorite Tim car story, though, didn't involve me. Tim had gotten uh, mixed up and uh, just thought that... Uh, there was a miscommunication. I think he thought we were in San Antonio. It turns out we were in El Paso, and then the next night we had to be in Beaumont, Texas. And he didn't fly. He drove, and he said, ah, the biggest mistake, I might take my little son, Ari. And at this time, Ari looked like Rocky from Christmas Vacation. <laughs> He's little, yeah. And yeah, but it was uh, Tim left the stage. Uh, at our show and drove through the night. Yeah. Uh, this is before, and I guarantee you, he didn't have GPS on his phone. This no, is, he, know. Andy didn't, and his, he let his cell phone die, and I was supposed to call him every three hours to make sure he was awake through the night. So I had to set the alarm on my phone to make sure, okay, wake up, call him. Call him at 1 o'clock, call him at 4 o'clock, yeah. you know what I mean? To make sure he stayed awake. Sure. In a pickup truck, a single bed pickup yeah. truck with him and Ari. Yeah. And he arrived in Beaumont just in time for soundcheck for the next show. I mean, yeah. he drove just walked the night. on yeah. stage. Yeah. yeah, and you had no idea where he was. Obviously, till no, he walked. yeah, there's no way he could have sent me That's... his location or know that he was okay. At one point, his phone dies through the night, so I have to wait. You know, they stop and eat or charge the phone. I don't know, but yeah, it was. <laughs> so Ron, he had no GPS. Obviously, no phone. He wasn't a big phone guy anyway. But he eventually got a cell phone, right? Yeah. But he did not use it as a GPS. Nor did he have a third party GPS. No. Unit. Yeah, I, I can tell you, I never saw Tim, you know, flick through a phone like, you know, uh, I spend most of us spend our time, you know, kind of thumbing through a phone. I don't ever recall him. He would use no. it as a telephone. Right. And, 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 and sometimes he it. didn't even have it for that. He'd be like, hey, I need to call Sweetie. Yeah. And go, you know, Jesse, give me your phone. Yeah. yeah. What? A, so did he just have a Rand McNally Atlas or did he just know the country so well? That he just... I think he trusted road signs and instinct. Okay. I really do. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know that he would have had... He may have stopped and, and ma'am, ma'am, is this 75? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I could see him doing that. Yeah. That that happened on more than one occasion where I think maybe he yeah. would strike up conversation or, or not be afraid to ask for help. For sure. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that, that is a true story. And, and like mm-hmm. I said, he just, it's, it's just, he found a way to get there. So... 
That's yeah. amazing. Because as a person that since since I've had a license, I've had GPS on my phone right. the whole time. This is like a Frontiers person to me. This sounds like mm-hmm. Lewis and Clark to yeah. me. I know it sounds weird, but I remember uh, when the first season, at least, that we were on the tour, a part of my job was printing the MapQuest and giving it to you guys in your show prep. You remember, you would sit in yeah. there with me and I would map quest our, our route for the weekend. Every turn, And right. I would print it off and that was what I had to hand Ron, Chick, and Christy before they'd take off. Yeah. And it was just, wa- <laughs> and I know now I'm just like, oh my gosh, map quest. I have friends that are so bad, they can't even get from home to work without using their phone, like a 15 minute drive. What? Oh yeah, oh yeah, just because we never had to. Your Kids generation my- sucks so hard. <laughs> you think my generation oh my sucks? Go talk to a 17-year-old. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, oh, sorry. That's that's the exact age of your child. I'm very yeah. sorry. No, it's okay. I did not that's, mean to. We, just, we have 18-year-olds. Yeah, yeah we have 18-year-olds. Oh, he's 18. Yeah, Thank yeah. goodness. My bad. Yeah. I didn't want to just shove your son's age back into your face. No, it's okay. So did you like ever hand Tim the, the the instructions, the directions, and he's like, it's okay, sweetie, I got it. No, he was usually actually in the car with me. Oh, he would okay. be he would be riding with me. There are times, gotcha. well, you guys know this, he would drive up on like a Thursday or mm. at some point, and we'd show up to work Friday morning, and he's asleep in the Suburban in the parking lot, mm. waiting for us to get off the yeah. air so that we could leave and head to the gig. Mm. Yeah. Now, did he, I always heard, and I probably heard it from you guys, if he was traveling alone, that he would sleep in his car, and his, on his sleep number car seat, mm. yeah. and in his right hand, he would have... Would he have a little help in case he was in a bad neighborhood? A weapon? Yes. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if he did. If, yeah. If so, why I, did I always hear that? That he like he always he he was able to sleep. You know and what? He had his... I know why you think that. I bet Mike Armstrong told you that. <laughs> it's probably just part of the folklore. Of <laughs> yes. <Tim Wilson. laughs> When you're Tim Wilson, there's a lot yeah. of legends that get passed around. That's around. what I, that's yeah, why I'm asking. Yeah, I didn't know. But yeah. Tim was usually riding shotgun with me, so I guess play on words. Yes, he was okay. on because he was riding All shotgun. Right. But yeah, it go. was. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that, but I know that uh, Scotty Bratcher, who Tim believe is the greatest guitar player ever, mm-hmm. uh, was Tim's last road dog. And and if you ever get a chance for Scotty to show you um, when Tim would drive. That he had this entire routine of, well, you gotta get these damn vents, rat. And he would mm-hmm. kind of almost like a, a magician, you know, trying to, uh, you know, uh, have a, a lady levitate. And, <laughs> and he would have these hands kind of doing a little shimmy. Well, he's got to get down on your side. We need some more air stirring. And he, he wouldn't put the car in reverse or drive until the vents were right. So, <laughs> so he kind of did a sound check with his air conditioning. That's yeah, an old that's road fantastic. dog. He knows what he wants. Yep. All right. Well, this is another fan favorite. It is uh, Tim Wilson as Uncle BS. Joining us in the studio, comedian Tim Wilson is here. Tim, how's your Uncle BS doing? Well, he's doing pretty good. Uh, he's famous for his stories, I know. Well, sure. you know, you get that relative in your family, it lies like a dog. Everybody's got that guy. Mm-hmm. My, my family's name was Benford Smith Wilson. Kind of got slept at the YMCA a lot alone. You know the guy I'm talking That's about. That's a good look. But anyway, you walk up to him and, Uncle BS, where were you in the summer of 1956? Summer of 56, city bus driver, Montgomery, Alabama. <laughs> Rest for the steering wheel, trying to get a 14-year-old to turn Elvis down so I can figure out how many black people I can squeeze on and still have room up front for the white folks. <laughs> Best-looking woman in North America crawls on my bus. Proxide hair, legs up to her hind end, 40-D cup, staring me right square in the eye. I'm hoping she'll sit in the third seat from the front, my eyeballing seat. I look up in the rearview mirror, a dime of Rosa Parks ain't in my eyeball and see. And I can sit here and look at Rosa for the next 15 miles or get her to get up and get Miss Nude Alabama her seat. <laughs> Rosa knows I ain't had a date in six months. Next today to turn into a civil rights murder. Just goes to show every time I see a good looking woman, somebody makes a federal case out of it. I mean, there it is. 
Who puts uh, themselves into history better, Forrest Gump or Uncle BS? Right? My goodness, right? That yeah, is. He was he was most proud of that too. I I remember again one of my. Uh, last conversations with him was uh, Tim basically said, I'll put my Uncle BS pretty much up against any anybody else's top piece. You know, yeah. say. he was really proud of that. So that was that was kind of his franchise thing, uh, you know, with without a guitar, you know, in terms of just a straight stand up. But he was really proud of, of that entire uh, franchise. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's hard to do because you need to be smart enough to know your history and you need to be, you know, sort of talented enough to tell jokes with racial nuance. That's not an easy mm-hmm. joke to oh, make. Yeah. I would never, ever do a joke about Rosa Parks right now because right. I'm just not good enough at comedy. Yeah. Right. And Tim Wilson knew that he had the stuff to do that joke and make it work. Also, yeah. real quick, my eyeball and seat. Right. Oh, just yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, right. just, just there's a bus driver. Yeah. He's kind of a creep, and he's yeah. got a seat that he looks at to check out the ladies. Yeah, yeah, hilarious. I love it. Kind of spoke a little bit to the fact that Tim was a bit of a horn dog. Is that fair to say? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Tim, yeah, Tim had a very specific type of woman, yes. and he would talk about like if her if her ass is good at twenty, her ass is going to be good at forty. Yeah, like and, I remember him saying things like that. Well, you remember yeah. too on, on Chick's podcast that he declared he said, yeah. "When I go down on a woman, I do it like I invented it." Yeah, one hundred percent. That yeah. was a true statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was very suave. There, there was, you yeah. know, that he had. He was very charming. He was very charming. I mean, his wife, one of the most beautiful women I know. Yeah, yeah. And and she uh, had worked for a hockey team, I think, in Buffalo. Yeah. And happened to be in Nashville and was watching a hockey game. Yeah. And, and Tim, you know, was certainly uh, struck by her. And so he approached her, and she's like, "Who are you?" You know, here comes here mm-hmm. comes hillbilly. And uh, he said, "Well, ma'am, see those people lined up around. The, they're here to see me. Yeah, you can either watch at a hockey game, or you can get in line. But I'll make sure you get to the front line." And so he yeah. he kind of swooned her right there. You know, she had never heard of him. Yeah, and uh, yeah, right there oh, at Zanies and Nashville. Goodness. Yeah, yeah. And, and I honestly, I don't know if I've ever seen two people more in love. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they loved each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. Aww. I yeah. mean, the guts that takes alone just to walk up to a beautiful woman, but then for it to actually work yeah <laughs> oh, i know right yeah. yeah yeah confidence goes a long way willie okay no i feel like you made it personal <laughs> about me. okay oh, I, i'm sorry did i say something directly to you yeah a little oh, bit. i'm so sorry things yeah, are was, going well was, with the ladies there jess <laughs> <laughs> it was i'd seen you know it was the first time i had seen he and sweetie uh, together was in, on a bahamas trip yeah and it was seeing tim out of his element like in shorts and then because mm-hmm. uh deidre would kind of dress him you could tell yep. that it was different than the road and then we go up by the pool and and tom is staring at tim's feet he's staring at tim's feet and he said tom i know what you he said see i have boot feet tom yeah i'm not lucky because his yeah. feet were you know, for years in dingo boots or whatever. Right. So wearing a pair of flip-flops was very uh, out of Tim's element. You know? uh, I'm sending Tim to the spa to get a pedicure. Uh, those toes. By the way, earlier you were talking about impressions that we all fall into. Yeah. The little cornerstone to find the rest of the impression. At least for me, for my dad, it's the, uh, uh, yeah. uh yeah. I have to speak to my lawyer, yeah. you know? Do you, think that that, do you think that we noticed that or do you think Chick noticed that and then that's how we start the impression mm-hmm. now? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because Chick's always done uh and then gone yes but a lot of a lot of people forget that right before josh came on full time yeah he made a living for a couple weeks doing this making fun of tom like it went over really well and all of a sudden a month later he was full time no kidding i'm not saying chick didn't but i think josh made it famous really yes huh I absolutely remember him sitting I'd right d- there and it, him doing it. Oh, so when it was like his interview time. Basically, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. That summer, because he came on full time in August. So I bet it was uh, probably like June or July. So somebody should have told Dyer to just make fun of Tom. Exactly. And <laughs> exactly. Okay, okay.
<laughs> little inside, little fun. I thought he was doing a Glenn Beck impression. <laughs> <laughs> I hate pop quizzes. <laughs> All right, well, let's listen to another one of my favorite things in the world. It's a song from Tim Wilson. I got combat training from overseas. Now I'm the bouncer at the Chuck E. Cheese. I think I'd rather do a year in jail than another afternoon in Chuck E. Cheese hell. Chuck E. Cheese hell. I'm in Chuck E. Cheese hell. We cater to a snot-nosed clientele in Chuck E. Cheese hell. Mama drives Chipper to the Chucky Mall, watches him waller in some plastic balls. The band sucks and the pizza's cold, and you eat it with a slobbering four-year-old in Chucky e. Cheese hell. Puke with pepperoni still smells the same. You waste a paycheck on a video game. Lined up out the door like the stones are in town. Ain't enough Chucky ass weapons to go around in Chucky e. Cheese hell. I'm in Chucky e. Cheese hell. Squalling youngins and a ski ball bell in Chucky e. Cheese hell. I did two tours of duty in Vietnam, fighting jungle rotten, breathing napalm, but they couldn't torture me half as well as little birthday poops in Chucky e. Cheese Hill, Chucky e. Cheese Hill. I'm in Chucky e. Cheese Hill. I need a Chucky e. straight jacket and a padded cell after Chucky e. Cheese I think that's the second time we've heard him beep himself. I think he did it. (laughs) Well, it's because he he was a total pro. Yeah, he he knew when he was working radio to turn it off and even get a laugh out of it. Better than that. Yeah, absolutely. That song is brilliant. Oh yeah, great. In a couple ways, it it actually has a catchy melody. Yeah, which a lot of comedy songs don't. Yeah. Um, And I, I, it's my, it's my personal favorite Tim Wilson song. I don't want to reset up the setup here with, uh, you know, but I guess I'll pay ode to Tom that uh, I don't know if we touched on the fact other than you just went into Donnie Baker. You are Ron Sexton. You do a lot of voices for this show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just a quick introduction. But I feel like the people that are listening to this show kind of know, you know, but what other can you rattle off a couple of other characters you do for us? Yeah. Kenny Tarmac and uh, let's see. Dr. Phil. Lily, I've been doing my pillow. I just (laughs) went down my pillow. I don't know. I just see my I love my pillow. Pillow. Uh, <laughs> You've you done like three so of those funny. call-ins. It is so weird. <laughs> it's bizarre so, for me too. Trust me. I I sat on that for a while. Um, he's always got he, another thing to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's in such a rush. In yeah. such a rush. And you did. Yeah, obviously, you do Barkley. We covered that. And yeah. you also do Gandolfini. Yeah, take it easy. <laughs> right here. So good. My favorite's Floyd. Well, <laughs> Floyd Cantley came to me on the cat. <laughs> My grandmother being from Salina, Tennessee, I'd go, hey, with us, he'd go to the courthouse, see the old boys whittling at the courthouse, and I'd kindly listen to them talk about it. So, yeah, Floyd's, uh, Floyd was one of my friends. At the time, it was uh, Trucker Steve on the AM station, mm-hmm. uh, but Tom had a jam, it was a, we were in the parking lot at Loon Lake Lodge, and he oh, how about to have a Floyd Trucker, the world-famous tru- trucker? Uh, perfect. Floyd yeah. Tucker, the world-famous trucker. Perfect. Sounds great. Yeah. And so he really nailed it, you know, right mm-hmm. away. Same with... Uh, you know, I, I Kenny Tarmac originally was I kind of SNL'd it. It was I, hey, I'm airport guy. Yeah, right. and uh, Marty Bennett. No, we got uh, uh, Kenny Tarmac, and I was yeah. oh God, nailed it. You know, Perfect. so you just yeah. kind of know. Yeah, you know? 
Man, that guy is so real. Every airport I'm at, there's a Kenny. There is yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, it's like it's 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 airports, and it's also like business bros and yeah. salesmen. I don't know. It was one thing really quick. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to put there's a little Venn diagram. Yeah. Uh, with Floyd the trucker and James Gandolfini, and where it meets in the middle is the breath. Yeah. Right. You have this 100%. amazing breath work that yeah. you do in your voices <laughs> that is so subtle. But I know yeah. that me and specifically Josh Arnold, whenever you do the Floyd, the yeah. Breath, yeah. <laughs> Josh, we get I, really. I good always. I thought it was his trait. Does he have a trait? I think it just <laughs> biscuit, it's biscuits and gravy that have just not quite made, finished yeah. the journey. Gotcha, you know? gotcha. <laughs> um, so what, yeah, I w- I remember hearing a lot of conversations of with between you and Tim in the green room, like that. I mean, you two. He really contributed to Donnie Baker. Oh yeah, yeah. He gave you a lot of feedback. What was the biggest thing? Like a big aha moment for you and your uh, characters that that Tim contributed to. Yeah, for for Donnie it was just, you know, his Tim's uh approval and and watching him laugh from the start of this it was all I needed. Yeah. Uh but in particular it was a funny story. So I have uh, a joke is is Donnie regarding a topic and so Tim he said uh, he comes into the green room he said, "Ronnie, Ronnie $20. I just wrote the best damn joke in your set." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Okay." So I give him 20. He said, he couldn't wait to get it out. He's like, "Patty Ferguson." And he's laughing. "Patty Ferguson." I just gonna doesn't doesn't matter which which triumph. <laughs> "Patty Ferguson gave me so many hand jobs last summer. She had to get Tommy John surgery." <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed, but I said, but Tim, I have a joke already about, you know, t- uh, Donnie's had Tommy John surgery on both knees. He said, screw that, man's better, $20. <laughs> That's a true story. So, yeah. yeah. But he got a kick yeah. out of writing Donnie jokes. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And another, this is another, this is a true story. This is where Tim, the only time we really got sideways. This is a true story, though. We're checking into a hotel, which was always the worst part. It's still the one thing of traveling mm-hmm. that they've not been able to somehow expedite in, in a quicker fashion is the hotel check-in process. And there's no way around hearing the lady tell you about the breakfast buffet. And I'm pretty sure I can figure out the breakfast buffet. But you have to, you almost, you're trapped hearing this. And it was one of those days where just road beaten weary. We want to check in. And the week before, Tim had given me a joke uh, for Donnie. And the joke was, it was an old joke that he had used. He said, you ought to use this, that uh, you went on a date. And uh, your, your girlfriend wanted you to take her to the most expensive place to eat. She's sure. demanding, I want to go to the most expensive place to eat. And he said, you can do one of two things. You can say, well, we'll just stay here at the airport or a Yankees game, right? Mm-hmm. So a week goes by. We're checking into a hotel. Uh, he was road weary. I mean, we're all beat. But I'm just you know, stalling while we're waiting on our rooms to get ready. I said, oh, Tim, by the way, um, I used that joke for Kenny Tarmac last week since he travels. And I had to kind of jog his memory, and I said, "Yeah, the joke you gave me about the airport." He said, "I didn't give that to Kenny Aston. I gave that to Donnie Baker." <laughs> and he was he was mad, and really? he was really yeah, he was really upset. And wow. it, it ended it ended as quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Scotty Bratcher said, "If you were, um, you know, if you were on the road with Tim and he loved you, you would almost at some point or another come to blows. Almost there would come mm-hmm. a, a time where you would almost fight. Yeah. Uh, and that happened. That was probably the closest. Not that I was going to fight, but I mean, I, he was really upset that I didn't apply the joke wow. with the intended." character it, he was really upset by that fighting is caring yeah it is some it is, people, it is. Yeah. yeah and jason and i had this conversation the other day um i always think of tim and uh you know watching him read a room when there would be a bunch of comedians mm. and he would just be observing and who's saying what and and um if you said something that he didn't agree with and he liked you he he would teach you if he didn't like you, he would school your ass in front of everybody. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and there was a very, very distinct difference. Oh, yeah. yeah, you were getting the same information, just two different ways. Yeah. 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 
No doubt. He got in uh, John Evans one time, and, <laughs> and this is one of my favorite Tim stories. We're on the road, and John is just kind of needling Tim, yeah. and it's passing the time, and I'm driving, and this was so long. I have Sony headphone Walkman like yeah. headphones on that I, I'm just driving, listening to music because they wanted to talk, and they were talking about the greatest pure athlete ever. The greatest pure athlete ever, and, and Tim was fond of Herschel Walker, uh, being from Georgia, Georgia yeah. and and John Evans is is going back and forth um, about who he thought it was Bo Jackson, and uh, so they go back and forth, and then it goes into the JFK conspiracy, sure. and then they're arguing. So we go from greatest athlete ever um, to JFK conspiracy, and back and forth and back and forth. So I'm tuning in and I'm tuning out, and then John, it's getting heated. He's in the back seat and he's kind of putting his finger in Tim's face. And, and Tim turns around, and he's hollering at him. And I'm trying to remember to the athlete because the punchline here that it absolutely has to happen. Um, uh, it'll come to me. Um, shoot. Uh, athlete. He was Indian. We're talking the 1930s or whatever, uh, 40s. Um, Cleveland Indian? Oh, no. oh, I know who you're talking about. The uh, Jim Thorpe. Jim Thorpe. Yes. Thank you, Willie. Yeah. And so we go, great athletes, the JFK, and I take my headphones <laughs> off, and I just hear Tim's big paw point. He goes, and by the way, Jim Thorpe can kiss my ass. <laughs> All the way back to Jim Thorpe. So I apologize for the, no, for the milk exactly. of amnesia, but uh, that's a true road story. I just like to imagine you with your headphones oh, on, yeah. and you don't even know exactly what yeah. you're like. What do you mean Jack Ruby's the best shortstop of all time? Yeah, right? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what it was kind of like. I have, so just real quick before you go to the next bit, I have one Tim Wilson story, and it's not, you said he would school you. He would school you. This is sort of the opposite of that. One time, I'm in studio before school. Jimbo used to work here. He's about to drive me in. Mm -hmm. But Tim Wilson is talking to me. I am writing a book for fifth grade. It's just a little, you know, 10-page story, whatever it is. The story I'm doing is about these kids that find magical instruments in a home. It's like Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, but for rock and roll instruments. Okay, cool. That's all it is. Yeah. And then the big thing at the end is they all learn how to play uh, Layla by Derek and the Dominoes. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling Tim the story. That's a great story, Willie. And he goes, just wait one second. And then he calls Bobby Whitlock. Oh, yeah. I'm going to call Bobby Whitlock. Yeah. Who played, uh, he's playing keys yeah. on that version of Layla <laughs> that we all know. Dun, yeah. dun, dun, yeah. dun, dun. Yeah. And at seven in the morning, he calls Bobby Whitlock. Bobby Whitlock <laughs> picks up the phone on speakers. <laughs> Bobby, I'm with a young man here who wants to know about rock and roll. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh yeah. Jimbo's standing in the corner like, hey, Willie, we got to go to school. <laughs> Dean's standing in the corner going, Tim, we got to get you on air so we can plug your dates in Dayton or whatever the hell yeah. it is. Yeah. Man, he, yeah, just the greatest. That's John, the I was at a gas pump one time, and he's on the phone. His, uh, Chris Petta had mailed him yet another phone. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> And, you know, he's smoking right here about pump four. I better finish this cigarette. And uh, <laughs> and he goes, well, he said, yeah, I, I guess about 4% will be fine. Four or five. I, I trust you. I trust you. Yeah, that's fine. We'll see you soon. I said, who was that? Well, it was Toby Keith. He just wanted to, uh, I wrote a song called uh, No uh, How Maintenance Woman Wants to Date a Maintenance Man. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. and so I was right there when, when wow. they cut that deal. But it was Toby Keith on the phone. With that's it. so wild. Yeah. Justin, yeah. And just the way that like he talks to Toby Keith, the way he talks to a Bobby Whitlock, is yeah. the exact same way he talks to one of us. Absolutely. Yeah. It's 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 so he was in the same way that he had integrity for that joke that he wrote for Donnie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He has the same integrity with everybody around. Oh, so true. When he's in front of your face, he's in front of your face, and it's mm. just you and him. Yep. All right. Well, here's another one. It's a full band production. I'm tired of 
Winfrey's ass telling me every move to make. <laughs> and I'm tired of Martha Stewart's ass telling me how to bake a cake. And I've just about had my fill of Dr. <laughs> Phil. <laughs> tired of looking at Tiger's ass and Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> Paris Hilton could up a county fair. <laughs> Just proof that you can be stupid, still be a billionaire. I'm tired of Simon's ass telling people that they can't sing. I'd fire Donald Trump's ass for knowing every thing. Jim and Brad and Angelina's ass, I'm about tired of looking at them. And I'm about ready for Hollywood's ass to run out of film. I'm tired of everything on TV. Everybody loves Raymond. Except for me. I'm tired of that Lance's ass and France riding on a bike. And I could pretty much give a damn what some actress's dress looks like. It'd be nice if hip-hop's ass would finally learn to play three chords. And I'm about fed up with Nashville's ass and the hand-me-a-trophy awards. Barry Bonds getting a bunch of fake home runs. And a fake-ass Larry the Cable's ass. And get her done. I'd like to watch football's ass without worrying about T.O. And I'm resolved to tell W's ass where the he can go. I'll be the first to second telling the third world what the they can do. It'd be fun to watch Mel Gibson's ass get whipped by the Jews. I'm tired of my own ass singing this song. There's a lot of people's ass I'm tired of, but the list is too and I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Tim Wilson. I mean, that is just incredible, especially nowadays when folks just worship celebrities, it seems like. Just him taking him down a peg, yeah. you know, being uh, just being himself. And that song's over 15 years old, and about three quarters of it still applies. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has another country version where he really rips on country music. It's called Way, Way Out in the Country, and, and I love it for the yeah. very reason. He has such venom for what country music is. I think, mm-hmm. Jess, you were in the car when he had said, country music's supposed to be ugly. Have yeah. you ever seen Waylon Jennings? Right. They didn't have designer jeans. He looks haggard. Yeah. So was Merle, you know. Right. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but it was really funny because if you listen to the song, I mean, it was just his, like I said, venom in motion toward what country music had become. And so, yeah. yeah. I, and Deidre told me that Tim was at his funniest when he was at home just, you know, cursing at the television. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm sure that, you know, it didn't matter who popped up on TV. If, if he was tired of seeing him, that right. applied to and, and certainly was the inspiration for that song. It's, it's, a, it's a real, I mean, we keep saying this. It's funny, but it's also a really damn good song. Yeah. And I like that he goes for country, and he also goes for hip-hop. Yeah. And I like that he goes for Paris Hilton, and he also goes for George W. Bush. Right. You know, it's all aspects of punching up. It's all aspects of Idle Tree and all this weird stuff that we deal with nowadays. Mm-hmm. Man, I miss Tim Wilson. Yeah. I know. And the too. fact that he was on 
Capitol Records, right? I mean, yeah. who did? How did he get a deal with Capitol Records? I don't know, but I know he was very proud of that because yeah. he. I'm on the same, ma'am. If yeah, that he would go to that if somebody yeah. would have. I'm on the same Capitol uh, label as the Beatles, Beatles. ma'am. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was really proud of that. So oh, that if, was if, yeah. One of my favorite lines in his stand-up was uh, was uh, I'm I'm certified or what is it? I I'm certified to teach your child English. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and the and, and yeah, he, he was, is. He yeah. Was, yeah, he was an English major. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so funny. By the way, just for folks keeping numbers out there, if you're in your bits and pieces fantasy league, we have mentioned Shaquille O'Neal twice today. Didn't think that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, there an you episode go for about Tim Wilson, but yeah, we have mentioned Shaq twice today. That's so funny. I would have loved to see Tim in the studio in that because I got to see him in this studio. Got to speak with him on the road, those kind of things. But uh-huh. man, seeing him in an element of where people were probably, you know, Tim's probably looked down. You're just the artist. You know, we take care of this kind of thing. Yeah. It would have been interesting to see how he operated in that. Oh, absolutely. Arena. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he got, he got to play with a bunch of musicians that he adored, right? Yeah, it wasn't until after he had passed I'd stumbled across, uh, upon uh, uh, many documents. I think Ari did, but it was Tim producing a serious song for um, Sophia, his daughter. Yeah. And it was really cool to see him in that element. But oh, he, cool. I mean, it's just yeah. that, I mean, just he was in that mode. I guess in the studio, it was, you know, not a lot of laughing. I mean, he was all business in the studio. Yeah, yeah okay. that was okay. That. So Ari and Sophia are currently working on a documentary, and I think that it's it's scheduled to launch like within the next few months. I don't know if that's what you're talking about. Yeah, but, yeah. this was a different one. This was uh, one that uh, Ari had uh, put together pretty. I think he had started working on it before Tim had passed, and then finished oh, it. Oh, okay, gotcha, yeah, but uh, gotcha. but it had some footage I had never seen before of Tim in the studio and not doing a comedy record. Yeah, and, okay. and then at his funeral, I know um, I. I came to learn that he wrote a good many songs that weren't comedy songs yeah 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 but, and yeah. that um and that's a that's a, a position that he, he was an amazing dad mm-hmm. like i'd i'd uh, i mean he i mean i know all dads love their kids sure but i remember at his funeral sophia sophia spoke and she said my dad always said just write for me just write for me and i just like that, that that's still I think about that. I think about how he encouraged her, how he wanted his kids to be creative. He believed in them. Oh, he, yeah. He loved them so much. And I just. Yeah. Yeah. He told me a story once. Ari was in Little League. This is kind of funny. And Tim had called me looking, I think, for. um Oh, I think just an ear to bend because I think he felt like he had crossed the line, but he wasn't quite sure. He was also very righteous in, in his argument. So he goes, <laughs> he shows up. He said, uh, "Hey, Ronnie, tell me if you show up to your little son's baseball game with a six-day beard, a trench coat, <laughs> and you see some uh, team mom take a clipboard and hit your son over the head, what would you do?" And I said, "Well, was he wearing a helmet?" Well, I don't. It didn't matter if he wears a helmet. <laughs> yeah, but he's on deck. And she's like, well, you need to pay attention, your old dick. You'll be coming up to buy it. Stop playing with the other kids. I said, ma'am, if I see you hit my little son with a clipboard, I'm going to kick your damn teeth in. <laughs> Next thing you know, there's police and damn SWAT team. I'm a six-day beard in the middle of holding court. But that's a true <laughs> yeah. story. And so yeah. he was making sure that uh, he didn't cross the line, I think, as because uh, we both shared a great passion for baseball. And and I was uh, just getting into coaching at that time. And mm-hmm. I think he wanted to make sure that uh, that I wouldn't approve of someone, you know, taking a clipboard right. and hitting a kid over the head. And I said, yeah. no, that's out of that's out of line, but so it's threatening to kick in someone's teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's beside the point. Oh, yeah. You know, I would never get in the middle of Tim Wilson in anything. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, amen yeah. to that, man. Yeah. Yeah. He uh he he was uh he got into a little uh 
tussle in Nashville, a heckler that Tim dragged out. Yeah. And um, Brian Dorfman bailed him out of jail so he could finish the second show. Yeah. And Tim, oh, he was all cowboy. And That's a quick turnaround. That is. Yeah, they, <laughs> they agreed. Well, they said that they basically said after the second show, you're going to jail. And um, but I wouldn't have wanted to tussle with Tim. He was, you know, like I said, he was all cowboy. And but the mistake he made, he knew he made the mistake was he, he left the stage. And yeah. You can't leave the stage. But yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was another one that, um, <laughs> that I would have loved to have seen that second set that. Oh, I guess. You think yeah, I absolutely. care, ma'am? I'm going yeah. to jail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. right. I mean, that's right. that's what he would have yeah. said. Right? Absolutely. That's when you need one of those Chappelle thing where you go for 48 hours or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and oh. just delay, delay, delay. But that's yeah. fantastic. Gosh. Well, hey, you know, it's one of the best when he's up there so when you stick you might just might as well just stick around up absolutely there, you know? yeah. yeah i remember there was a and this wasn't anything involving violence but it just mm-hmm. kind of defines tim uh i'm backstage at one of the old theater a houdini theater mm-hmm. and it's you know it's bright sunny day but you know you go into these theaters once the door shuts it's as dark as night and i'm backstage with tommy jonigan who had just you know uh, joined the tour and very funny and um <laughs> we're we're uh, i don't know i guess we're there for sound check and then right up on us, because it's so dark, you hear these boots and these footsteps. And it was Tim. And all you see is a, a lit cigarette. That was the only light. And Tommy goes, oh, my God. Did you see? He goes, I could, I could never be that cool. How did he? How did he, he? We didn't hear a door open. Did you see a door open? How did he? He just kind of came in. It was like Wyatt Earp just went, you know. And, uh, and it was true. He just had. And, and it's because Tim. He said, I stopped trying to be cool about 1975. I'm basically, you know, basically he didn't change. He was, yeah. you know, he wore one shirt. We're, uh, we're like in Eugene, Oregon, and uh, he's starving. So he goes to see, he's the one guy that is Subway. that goes, just put anything on there. Just make sure it's a lot of it. You know? And so they loaded up the first bite. There's this, you know, it's like somebody curb stomped a Go-Gurt. And he had one shirt. And he goes, well, damn, I just got mustard on my show shirt. And Christy goes, isn't that your only shirt? He goes, well, Christy, it's still my damn show shirt <laughs> so that's true story yeah. okay well we have a couple more bits uh this is next one this is tim wilson playing the sam elliott role there's times when a man wants to sink his teeth into something that's so good so unforgettably delicious so darn tasty that denying him even one flavorful moment would be akin to stealing his horse or insulting his mother That's why when I have a hankering for hearty, hunger-satisfying food, nothing better stand in my way. Well, well, looky here. Somebody done left me a big plate of grub. Uh, Don't mind if I do. (laughs) Cowboy, you take one more step and touch these, and you're going to lose a lot more than just your reaching arm. Aw, you're yellow. You ain't got to... (laughs) Wow. Girl Scout cookies. It's what's for dinner. <laughs> Nothing better. So, so, so funny. That uh, that's Sam Elliott. My Sam Elliott impression is just him uh, backing out of the driveway in A Star is Born when he cries oh, yeah, just yeah, a little yeah, bit. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you yeah. seen that part of the movie? Yes. Is that you every yes. morning leaving for work? He's backing up. <laughs> just, one, just one single tear, and then I go, hey. Yes, oh, that's, that's what so I funny. do every morning. But yeah, that's uh, that's really funny. And then, of course, we just you told the story about Tim spilling on a shirt. Then we go into a food bit. Works out pretty well. Uh-huh. And his voice, man, he's it's just something about his voice. Yeah, uh, I, I miss his voice. The thing I miss most is I I think about him a lot. And when I hear people saying they're genuine, oh man, that's such a genuine. 
Tim is the bar. As yes. you said, he hadn't changed since yeah. 1975. Yeah, I noticed. I, I uh, you know, when I worked in the building at the time, I, I would come down and just watch. You know, I I would love to watch the great ones, especially how they would interact with you know Bob and Tom. I grew up listening to Bob and Tom; they were icons, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, but I noticed him every time he had been on the show. Probably, I don't know, maybe not more than Haywood, but probably not far from it. But every time he would come in, he would still get up. Tom, thank you, sir. And walk around. Bob, thank you, sir. Yeah. And shake their hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and just he was a true Southern gentleman. But it, it didn't matter how comfortable he got or how popular he was. He would get up, tip his cap, you know, shake their hand and, and mm-hmm. do all of that before he would leave. And I just, you know, I mean, you can learn a lot from 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 that Southern hospitality. I think I it, it certainly, like I said, he was my comedy dad. But I still I find myself saying, yes, ma'am, now. And I I, yeah. I never said that most of my mm-hmm. life. But right. yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. It's kind of fun to do. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> No, it's a, a kid, not a kid, I mean, he's like 22 or whatever, but a newer comic emailed me the other day. He was like, hey, what advice do you have? And it's just, hey, you got to write a little bit every day. You got to get up as much as you can and just be nice to people. Yeah. Being nice to everybody around you, not just the good comics, but being nice to the servers, being nice to the booker. Yeah. It is such a big deal. And also, not just a comedy hack, just be nice to people, folks. Yeah, My yeah, goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it doesn't for cost sure. anything. But in terms of comedy advice, I heard him tell somebody some great advice for comedy. Take something you believe in deeply and argue against it, and you will have written great comedy. Mm-hmm. And Tim told wow. that to somebody. And if you think about it, I mean, it's really great advice. I mean, it's going to force you to look at something from a completely different angle. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and and I think you know, in a lot of what we've heard today in his songs, you know, there's there's probably a lot of stuff that that Tim, you, you think, oh my God, he must hate so and so. No, it's just that's where right. the joke was. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, that whole I don't think that Tim had any actual hatred in his heart for mm. Paris Hilton. I think it was just a lot of apathy yeah, that sort of wound right, right, right. up in yeah. that moment. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. was the face of where television, the reality stuff was going at that mm-hmm. time. And, exactly. And it was just very shallow TV. And I think that that was what bothered him, you know. Yeah. And really, I don't think he gave a damn about her as an individual. You're right. Just the effect that she was having yeah. and mm-hmm. her point of celebrity in that point in time. But I don't think you're actually hating an individual because of that for a silly song, you know? Yeah. yeah. Was it not Tim Wilson that wrote into, I think, a Flying J corporate office just to tell them how clean a bathroom was at a rest stop he went to? Or Wouldn't he, surprise like, me. Yeah. Gave no, them all the all. compliments like, oh, no, it was the best one I've ever seen. I need to let them know. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't believe surprise it. me. Yeah, I believe that. Which I always think about when I mm-hmm. see a clean bathroom. Like, <laughs> there you go. I should let someone know. <laughs> but I just love that, that he's such a big guy, that Jason has this sort of legend about him. You have this sort of mm-hmm. legend about him. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's like it's like Johnny Appleseed or whatever. There's yeah. a line between it's fact true. and fiction when it starts to become a fairy tale yeah. or a fable, whatever. Yeah. Mine is all from the fan standpoint. I never got to work with him. I saw him walk out the door a couple of times carrying his guitar sure. case. And I'm like, there goes Tim Wilson. That's yeah. so cool. And I always, you know, geek out when he was on because it's yeah. you know our family would sing all the songs mm-hmm. at the yeah. table if well, someone brought up something it's yeah. like I only know NASCAR names because of Tim Wilson mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> good yeah. point yeah. good point yeah. so funny okay well yeah. we've got one more bit to play then we'll have a little uh, wrap up here but this is you know I think that we have to play the Tim Wilson disclaimer the views and opinions expressed by guests on the Bob and Tom show are not necessarily those of Bob, Tom, Christy, or Chick, or anyone else on our staff or the staff of the radio station you are listening to. In fact, these opinions, particularly those expressed by Tim Wilson, do not reflect the beliefs of most clear-thinking people and should be taken with a grain of salt, or perhaps several pounds of salt. Thank you for listening to the show, and please continue listening. Remember, before you know it, Tim will be gone and we'll resume our normal program. Hang in there, America, and thanks for your patience. <laughs> the Tim uh, Wilson disclaimer, just because we might have to play that, just to be safe. Right. 
Uh, but hey, if you guys want to check out any of Tim Wilson's stuff, Jess, where'd you say they can get the book? Uh, it's available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Happy New Year, Ted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is the name of the book. Um, you can get that. Uh, yeah, like I said, Ari and Sophia are currently working on a documentary. I'm uh, longer format sounds like. Uh, yeah, the trailer is really good. I don't yeah. know if you've seen it, but it's it's. I had never seen. Yeah. Uh, I, I attended the funeral, but not the graveside service, so I'd never seen his his tombstone. Yeah, but uh, it's at the graveside. But it, uh, I don't want to spoil it for you, but it, you can find it on uh, Facebook and, and social media. Yeah, Ari actually just sent it to our producer Dean, and we're in the works to have them on the show. So yeah. Have you guys seen It's Behind a Door in Mark Allison's studio? Yes. There's, we have a bunch of artwork that's, you know, big. It used to be on the behind Chick and mm-hmm. Josh on the walls here. And they're what? What are they? Two and a half by two and a half Probably, square? Yeah. And there's one of Tim that he signed. Oh. And I don't know when he signed it exactly, mm-hmm. but it said, um, thanks, Bob and Tom, for always treating me like Elvis. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I've always thought because... Ron, you're a big Elvis guy yeah. anyway. Yeah, that's he how he really is our shots. Elvis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Yep. But a lot more accessible. I'm yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, and then just one more thing. I know it's, I'm not trying to send people to a different podcast, but I remember right after Tim passed away, I was just getting into comedy and I was listening to an episode of the Mark Maron podcast with Billy Gardell. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Billy Gardell tells the same story. Yeah, Tim took me under my under his wing. Yeah. Tim took me on the road. Mm-hmm. He had all these conversation car, uh, in, in cars with them. And so yeah. it's so interesting to see that he was always out there helping younger comics. Oh, man. He yeah. was, yeah, he was always more devoted to making sure others got, and same with Scotty Bratcher. He would, you know, yeah. he was convinced Scotty was the greatest guitar player on the planet and he would you know um really support scotty and he would be leaving a, a pilot truck stop and somebody would recognize tim and he said hey you don't care but scotty go get that guitar play for you. he said tim we're just here to get gas i don't want to play i'm not gonna <laughs> yeah. play joe bonamasso for these people we just met right. but uh, yeah with billy gardell he told his agent he said you got the next jackie gleason right here yeah and and so i mean tim was a very instrumental in in his success and I know maybe more importantly at the time was they were so poor. They're on the road. Billy has a toothache and they couldn't afford x-rays. And so he said, oh, we don't need it. Open it back, Billy. And he, Tim tells the dentist, it's that one right there. <laughs> <laughs> so he, hey, eyeball, use his eyeball and see to see where the cavity was. <laughs> Oh my God. Well, Ron, thank you so much for joining oh us. Oh my God, this was great. Anytime, man. I, I have absolutely loved this. This has been, uh, I'll talk about Tim Wilson all day. Yeah. <laughs> I love hearing yeah. all the stories. This is great. Yeah. yeah. I honestly, I think there's enough material and just enough stuff of his we could play. We could do a part two, part I'd, three. I've, I've actually not told five stories right now. That's how many I have in my head that I haven't told. Because I wanted, you know, we wanted to hear Ronnie, and so we have to. There's do a so part many two. Tim Wilson yeah. pieces. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's so much. Honestly, maybe we should just make it a 10 minute segment at the end of every show. <laughs> you know, we should. The Tim Wilson. It's yeah. called the Tan Wilson because it's 10 minutes long. There you do go, that and make another for Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ron. Thank you very much. Thank for you, us, Willie. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jess and Jess. You guys were fantastic. Thank we'll you. See you next time. Every story eventually comes to an end. This June. Hear the final episode of Season 2 of the hit podcast series, In the Red Clay, Durham. In the Red Clay tells the unbelievable true story of Billy Sunday Burt, the most dangerous man in Georgia history. In the podcast that people are calling riveting, incredibly moving, captivating, and addicting. Binge Seasons 1 and 2 of In the Red Clay now, wherever you listen.